0: Hey, how's it going guys? Thank y'all so much for tuning in to another episode of the Your First Steps podcast. Uh, Today we have an amazing, amazing guest. Uh, This gentleman, he is a real estate developer, uh, a husband, a father, and the CEO of No Heart. Uh, We have Mr. Mike Kading today. Mike, how you doing today, man?
1: Oh, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, for the few folks that may not know who you are and what business you have, go ahead and uh, introduce yourself to the people.
1: Yeah, at a high level, at Norhart we design, build, and rent apartments, but we're really focused on driving down the cost of construction. We're already achieving about a twenty to thirty percent reduction in cost. We believe we can achieve a fifty percent reduction. Wow! But imagine what that means.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Someday, that,
1: that's huge. Yeah. Your rent could be half, or your mortgage could be half, and so really our goal is to solve housing affordability.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Good deal. So uh, we'll get more into the business and how it's structured uh, and what makes your business unique. But I know from interviewing a lot of people, something I've noticed is what they're doing as adults tend to have a reflection of what they're introduced to as a child. And mm-hmm. so with that, uh kind of talk talk to me about what was it like growing up uh, as a child in your in your household and um then we'll kind of bring it back up to where it was so what it was like as a, a child in your in your household
1: yeah you know the business i'm in today it was ultimately started by my parents and so it was very business focused growing up we were a very small company a small knit family it was just my brother and myself and my parents and i can remember events where we would go out to the local hardware store it was a family outing And my brother and I and my parents, we'd fill up carts full as high as they could possibly go. They're like spilling out. Then we'd fill them into my dad's trailer and head back down the highway to go work on these buildings during the summer. And so that was my summers growing up. My winters were in school. And then uh, I went off to college and I went for computer science, mathematics, and management as well as other things, really into small businesses and virtual reality. And I wanted nothing to do, nothing to do with the family business. Why was that? You know, deep down, I think the reason why was because I didn't want people to think it was given to me. And so here I am, I grew up with this family business. I grew up with that work environment, very positive environment. But I, I didn't want people to think that was just handed to me. Wow. And so I really wrestled with my own ego for a little while, but eventually got past that and we moved on to the business.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Good deal. And so you mentioned a lot of great things in there, and, and I wonder how it kind of ties into what you're doing now. So you went in for computer science and uh, VR. So are you utilizing any of those skills now in the business that you're doing right now?
1: We are. Uh, we've developed a of ton of technology within our, in our systems. It's a lot of back-end, maybe kind of boring technology, but it's critical to helping drive down those costs. And so mm-hmm. we actually have a software development team on staff, and I Early on in my career, I would actually get beside them and we'd be programming together. We built out an entire internet service provider, for an example, uh, for our properties. Um, so yeah, that skill set definitely has helped me in a tangible way, but in other ways it's helped too because it challenges you to think a little bit differently and to think about things from a technological perspective where i are not so afraid of that. Like I want to embrace that to help move our industry forward.
0: Gotcha. And you all created a internet service provider yeah okay.
1: Yeah, a lot of very and, late and nights and early mornings and uh, you know yelling and stuff, and things were not going. gotcha well. okay.
0: <laughs> got so okay, <clears throat> this kind of brings up some questions. So when it comes to this uh, internet providing uh, company, so do you uh, do this for uh, other customers or work uh, as well, or is it just for your uh your apartments?
1: Just for our residents, the thing gotcha. we were thinking about there is, what is the end experience like? And for, at least in our part of the world, a lot of times people to sign up for the internet separately and their utilities separately. And it's just another pain point. It's a friction point in that experience. Right. Well, Why is that? It's stupid that we make our residents do that. Why is it not all immediately available and all part of the same bill, the same package, all connected in. So you never need to think about that you have internet on day one. And so it uh, sounds great in theory. Uh, it was really hard to implement. Yeah, I uh, bet. Yeah. But building all those systems actually worked. But that—that's it was because of that technology background that gave us the excitement and interest in making that happen.
0: Okay, so what did you see in the market uh, to where you were like, okay, this is where our, our niche could be, and we could go in, and uh, we'll come in as the more efficient or price efficient. Uh, apartment developer like what what did you see to say all right this is our angle
1: yeah i was really thinking about you know for me i want to live life in a way that makes some kind of meaningful positive impact in the world Mm -hmm. and so how can i best do that given where i am at in life and given my parents real estate background that was a piece of it but the other piece was realizing that at least in my part of the world, about a third of your income goes to housing and housing costs are rising faster than income. Uh, And if uh we could find a way to solve that, if we could find a way to lower those costs, we can make a meaningful impact in people's everyday life. So That was one half, it can make an impact. The second half is, could, is it physically possible to do so? And when you started looking into it, you realized that over the past 60 years, manufacturing has improved productivity by 760%, you know, big number. Uh Agriculture has improved by 1500%, another big number. When I looked at construction and construction, they did virtually nothing It's just 10%. It's like, dude, if we could just take the lessons learned from these other industries and apply it to our own, we could have that same kind of impact and this could impact people's lives in a way that's much deeper than many other things could possibly be. And that's what gotcha. got me excited.
0: Okay. And so now I'm not sure if this is part of the secret sauce, but what are some things that uh, you do to drive down the cost so, so significantly? Cause you're talking about, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50%. Like that's, like that's, those are huge numbers. Uh, so yeah. what are some of the things you don't have to, you know, say too much, but what are some things that you're doing to, to do that.
1: Well, and I'm an open book. I'm happy to share all of it. And the reason yep. that is, is because partly I want to help the industry. The uh-huh. other part of it is the idea is simple, the execution is incredibly hard. That's right. where the energy is in it. So, uh, one of the simple ideas that we did was start to bring the work in house. See, in the world of construction, you typically have a different company uh, who owns the building and manages it. You have a different company who coordinates all of the construction. You have a different companies that, are, again, that do the work, different plumbers, electricians, HVAC. And so if construction were to produce cars, you'd have a different company installing the windshield, a different company installing the door, and a different company installing the wheels. And then the wheel company, they, they would call you up and say, hey, sorry, but I got delayed on another project. I'm going to be out for two weeks. You'd be right. shut down. Right. And when they did right. come, they would be irate, because they could only work on one car at a time. So manufacturing looks at us as if we're crazy, but that's the way it's done, the way it's always right. done. Uh-huh. And so once you bring it in-house, I'll give you one more example, is that we can start to apply the innovations for manufacturing. It's simple innovation, the supply, the assembly line. Now you might think like, how in the world, Mike? Like, I was listening to you up until this point, but assembly line for buildings, like, are you going to drive a building down an assembly line? Like, get out of here. Right. Well, you're right. We're not going to take a building and move it down a line. But what you can do is take the person and move them through the building. So right now, oh. all of our different teams shift one unit every five hours. So if you go to the oh. end of our building, you actually see a brand New apartment unit completed every five hours. And just that one technique takes a building that may have taken 15 months to complete and drives it down to just nine.
0: Wow. Okay. So that, all right. So now I'm starting to see the vision, right? And so when it comes to having the approach of other industries that are growing faster. You're just applying that to something that is pretty much in the, I guess, stone ages or whatever, as far as uh, innovation exactly. and and doing that. Okay. So is that something that you've done since the beginning or was it something that as you're in the process of uh, doing what you're doing, you're like, Hey, let's scratch what we're doing or pause. There's a better way of doing this.
1: Yeah, it was certainly an evolution. Um, You you know, a lot of people think like, oh, I can create this grand vision if I just sit in my closet for a month and dream it up. It's not the way the world works. You need to get out there, screw up, bounce around, get hit a few times and and tweak and change. It's been evolving with time. Uh, But, you know, early on when my parents were still involved, when it was very small, they in some ways made their construction more affordable as well. But they they use different techniques. They use being scrappy. They use blood, sweat, and tears, right? Getting right. out there. That doesn't work at scale, but right. it certainly worked for them at that point. One of the things as we start to grow, I remember one one day um, my plumbing contractor came to me before we had plumbing in-house, and he said, Mike, we've been working with you for a while, and we've been giving you the same price with each building you do, and I'm sorry, we have to now triple your bid dude, I just, I can't afford it. Right. And so, you know, necessity is the mother of innovation. <laughs> this mm. was one of those moments for us. And I started looking around and say, well, what will we do differently? And so we bought a bunch of plumbing books. Uh, we hired someone with some, some experience and we brought in a bunch of novice people as well. And we tried to do it ourselves. Now the first year was awful. We uh-huh. failed in many ways, but we got through it. We learned, we grew, we improved and then we had plumbing in a house. And so that that was one of those iterations that of that long journey of, of transforming to who we are today.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. I love it. And when you're saying that you go from you went from building a, a property that should have taken 15 months to nine, mm-hmm. uh, is that how many units is that? Like how how big is an apartment uh, that would have taken 15 months and now it's uh you're able to do it in nine?
1: Yeah, that's how many, maybe I, three to four hundred units.
0: Wow. Okay. All right. And random question. Is this something that you plan on taking uh, public as far as like uh, having as like a, a public company or is it always going to be something that's going to be a, a, a non public or a private, private company?
1: Yeah, it is a private company, but asterisk is that we are doing, we're starting to allow investors to come in. And so we're, we're not quite a full IPO, full public company. We are one step shy of that. It's gotcha. called a mini IPO or a reggae. And we're actually launching that very shortly. And so people will get an opportunity to invest in what we're doing.
0: Okay. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So now I know your parents, they uh, did real estate and it was also multifamily or was it a uh, single family that you were doing?
1: It was uh, multifamily. Yeah. It was like multifamily. Eight, so- 10 units at a time.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. And so is that what made you decide like, okay, since I was exposed to this, this is where I'm going to go? Or, uh, well, you said that you wanted to do other things first, but then it kind of came back to it. So was there that defining moment of, I might as well just come back to this because this is what I feel like I was maybe born to do, or what was that for you?
1: Yeah. So for me, I wanted to make that impact and I started to think strategically, right? Do I care more about my own ego? Right. Like what people think of me, or to care about that impact. And if I care about the impact, then I should use everything that I have at my disposal to do that. Right. We each right. grown up, we're each born in different worlds, and uh use what you have in front of you to leverage where you want to get to. And so that that was sort of the choice I, I made for myself and decided then, okay. I can get behind this. I can make an impact here and I'm willing to dedicate my life to that space.
0: Gotcha. All right. And so when it comes to uh, the construction of an apartment, are you only doing new builds or do you take uh, older apartments and you renovate them using the same methods uh, to use that assembly line style of renovation?
1: Yes, we only do new builds. And the reason why is very simple. We wanna think about lowering construction costs. As soon as you increase more variability, like doing new versus renovated, especially the renovated space, there's a lot of variability there. That increase costs, part of the strategy behind lowering costs is more standardization, more simplification. And it's hard to do that if you're also doing renovations.
0: Gotcha, I love that. So uh, additional variables, Increased costs. And what was the other thing you said? uh including more standards? What was that?
1: Simplification.
0: Gotcha. All right. I love it. I'm taking notes. I love yeah, it. This, this is good. good stuff. Awesome. <laughs> All right. And so uh right now, are there uh particular markets that you're looking at? or you're just in one market? Uh what what market would you say is your your go to uh to to do some of these projects?
1: Yeah, right now we're focused uh primarily in Minnesota. And again, okay. that's because we wanna build out a whole system of manufacturing in one location. Spread out too much, it's hard to do that. But we are getting to be one of the, we're really close to being the largest developer here in the state. And so now we're expanding our work into Texas. We also have manufacturing facilities in Wisconsin and we are manufacturing, we're building up in Mexico and about 15% of our staff are international.
0: Gotcha, I love it. So what made uh, Texas uh, to be your, your next stop uh, after Minnesota?
1: Yeah, it had good demographics. You have people moving in, rental rates were appropriate. Uh, The other big factor is it's a large, large market. So again, we're thinking about scaling up. We're hoping to reach 60,000 units a year in the next 10 years. Oh, wow. And when you start thinking about that that scale, we want to be in a space that we could scale substantially without needing to keep spreading geographically, at least initially. Mm -hmm. And so Texas has four major U.S. cities all within close proximity within a three-hour drive. And so that felt like a good fit. And the last piece of the puzzle is it's simply close to Mexico. And so if we're going to expand manufacturing to Mexico, it's less um, transportation costs going to Texas.
0: So why why Mexico?
1: You know, the thing that drove us there first was U.S. tariffs. And so the idea was that you can't import uh, steel from China in the United States. Well, you can. It's like a three or 400% tax. Uh, Think about that. Three or 400%. Wild. Yeah. It makes it unfeasible. Mm-hmm. But if you can bring that steel into another country, substantially transform it, that's the key. So you have, to, you have to change it to something else that's meaningful. So for us, that's into wall panels. And then we ship the wall panels in the United States then we're charged at the tariff rate of the wall panels and not the steel. Now it turns out there's more nuance there. We have some very high priced attorneys working on it. That that strategy may not work out perfectly, but that was the original Mm. vision for it.
0: Gotcha. Wow. I I love that. Okay. And so now you're, you're thinking about going into, uh, into Texas, uh, where you're working on uh, being in Texas. So besides the demographics, um, what are some other indicators that you're looking for whenever you're you're entering a uh, market?
1: Yeah, so knowing where we're going geographically is sort of the first bottle or first key, because we want to expand substantially in that zone. Given our manufacturing capabilities, we're right. not the guys that are going to do one one property in Iowa, one property in New York, one property in Florida. That doesn't work with our model lowering costs. So that that becomes one of the key constraints. Uh, and then secondly, we look for locations with uh, a great commercial space. Like our, our next property has a restaurant, a coffee shop. It's at the stop of a new, brand new transit line here in Minnesota. Uh, it has views of Minneapolis and Saint Paul, the downtowns, uh, from their rooftop patio and deck. So it's and they're right across, uh, you know, within walking distance of some of the best amenities in the state. So it's that core kind of thing that we like. Uh, being involved with because we we want really high end properties as well.
0: Gotcha, I love it. All right, and and uh, you've already uh, expressed the uh, the other markets that you're going to be going into. Uh, and so, is there? So I know you want to continue to go at scale. So is there a limit to where you're saying, okay, these are the markets that we're going in, and we're just going to go deeper into these, or is it a, as the indicators show that there's a market that is uh you know on the rise due to people moving due to economic reasons, political reasons, whatever, um, is it a will then just move there and just, you know, plug and play uh with your system?
1: Yeah, that's such a great question. When you think about any market and real estate's no different, you sort of like volatile prices over time or changing prices, right? Mm-hmm. And so if a market's hot, the prices rise, all the developers we want to go to that market uh-huh. and they want to go over here and over there. Um, that's a very valid approach, but it's not our strategy. If you think about it differently, we are focused on lowering the costs. So if our costs are 20 to 30% less, if we can get to 50% less, I don't care too much if the prices change by 10%. Right? Where other uh-huh. developers, right now, especially, uh, they're having a tough time making projects pencil out because right. the rise of interest rates. And so the uh-huh. it just doesn't work anymore. But for us, we're not hit that hard by it because our margins are so large. So we're gotcha. likely going to be the stable developer in any community. We'll have other developers that are hopping to the most hot markets. And you need uh-huh. both. You need both. Uh-huh.
0: Gotcha. Understood. All right. And so uh, what is one of the lessons that you learned, I guess, the hard way from actually doing the business What's something that you learned early on, and you're like, man, okay, I'm not doing that again. Uh, so like, what what is an example of that?
1: Hire the very best people. You know, gotcha. a, a lot of people say that, and you probably hear it a lot, but there's a big difference between like, oh yeah, yeah, that's important, and like making that a true reality. The best people change things. You know, we have staff, we will fly in from other states every week to come work with us on site and then fly them home on the weekend because they're wow. best in the world of what they do. We have a, one of our employees, uh, Steve Jobs announces the iPhone in 2007. Steve Jobs walks off stage and this employee follows on on that same stage following Steve Jobs keynote of the iPhone. Wow, Like it's that kind of caliber of people that we think about. And I didn't always understand that. You know, I think for many business owners, they look and say, hmm, it's expensive to hire the best people, and I can't afford it. And from a perspective of cost per person, that makes sense. I understand it, but they're missing a really important key, key element. And that is that the best people outperform the average by two to five to ten times as much and I have seen it over and over and over again. So, when you look at it instead as a cost per unit produced, the best people are so much cheaper for you. And not only that, they change the game. So, when people come to me and say, I can't afford to hire the best, my response is, You can't afford not to. In fact, right when we made that change we went from growing about 10 to 15% per year to more or less doubling in size wow every single year
0: wow wow i love it i love it so when it comes to the people that you're hiring uh in house cuz i know when you started uh you got the books of plumbing you got different you know novice plumbers and you started things were were tough but then you guys elevated so what have you done differently to attract better people to not run that type of beginning mistake structure uh, over and over again. Like what is your system of getting the the higher quality people?
1: Yeah, boy, we could talk all day about that. There's so much to that. Um, I'll give you a few little tidbits. So one thing is hiring. And so at least in the world of construction, it's really hard to find great people. If you think you're gonna post a job on Indeed and just get the right candidates in the door, Right. no it does uh-huh. not work like that you do not find top talent that way the best right. people are not looking for jobs so what we ended up uh-huh. doing and this is back when we'll, we'll only had like 100 or 150 employees we hired on 14 recruiters 14 uh-huh. right like we went all in and that uh that team then started building out lists of the best companies in area and the best people at those companies and so worked to build relationships with those kind of people over time so that as jobs opened up they could bring those incredible people into the organization but just finding them is only it's only one half the battle the other half of the battle is creating the right culture and that is critical Uh but it gets yeah
0: yeah no go ahead go it,
1: it gets easier when you have the best people. So, right. cause the best people want the best culture. And so, uh, you know, people often join a company because of its reputation, but they leave a company cause interaction with their coworkers and with their boss. And so we're very, very tenacious about bringing the right people on. we have a, in many cases, a two week trial period. We'll, we'll offer you the job, but we're not guaranteeing you the permanent position for two weeks. And then those two weeks, your coworkers decide whether or not you stay or whether or not you go.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. And
1: what's amazing is when you start to build that team of A players, they they're the better judge of who because they gotta work with that guy forever right. going forward, right? Right, right. So that's an element. Another element is then doing regular evaluations. And we want people that are fighting to literally be best in the world. Right? We want the Tom Brady's. We want the Michael Jordans. We want the Tiger Woods. And that doesn't mean you have to be there today, but you have to have the energy and tenacity to want to be at that level. And we literally have a whole team of people like that. But we measure everyone, are you on that journey? And if you aren't, if people aren't don't firmly believe that you're on that journey, that's totally okay. There are many great places to work for it. I mean nothing negative about that. Like we'll help you find that other job we're going to slowly move you out of the organization so we can make room for people that are that kind of level. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. So yeah, you said something uh, very interesting. When it comes to one of the first things that it sounds like you're saying to do to start that process is finding recruiters who's dedicated to finding the better people instead of like the head of the company, the CEO, uh, spending time looking for those folks, delegating that task and making sure that the recruiters. So okay, this is a question. How do you find the right
1: recruiters? Boy, uh same process you do with uh with any other position. And uh-huh. there's kind of an interesting thing. If you're a really small company or just, just yourself and you're hiring your first uh-huh. employee, that means you're gonna do it. And so um you want to learn from great people who've done it before, get Uh, people around you, like um, other mentors and stuff have been through it, Uh, doing things like um, asking behavioral-based questions, not just like, hey, would you like this kind of job? Like, tell me about how you think about the world, right? Now you want to say, tell me about a time that you changed the world in your little niche, or tell me about a time that you fought to be best in the world at something, and then they come up with tangible examples that helps you spread the field. Um, Another key part of it is identifying what your values are. Values just describe who you are, who the people in your organization are, identifying what those are, codifying, writing it down, and then creating questions along each one of those values and making sure that people actually align with that and scoring based upon that Um, and getting multiple eyes on it. right? if you think it just you you know, just you an hour in a room that you can read people, I've heard people say this, you can't. Right. You just can't. Yeah. You, you think you have a good idea of who someone is over the next couple of years and over just a course of one hour with them? No, not, not the level that you need to get the best. And right. so bringing more people in that room, having a couple of rounds of interviews to really get a sense of them is valuable. Um, but even all of that, all of that, your hiring rate is still not going to be very good. And I was listening to, um, is it Elizabeth with Spanx, the CEO of uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, And she was talking about how her experience with all of that energy and hiring the best, that she only bats, even with all that, at 50%. Right? So gotcha. only 50% right. of the people hire still actually turn out to be who you think they're going to be. Wow. So being good, and that's that's what we find too, unfortunately. But right. then being good about supporting people well on the way out, giving them great severance, giving them a help, resume, or a letters, of recommendation, helping them find jobs, so they have a good experience. But being active about recognizing you—you you have to move the people out that are not aligned with where you're going.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. I love it. All right, and so uh, now we'll uh, go into the the segment of uh, where we talk about books. Right. And so something that I found uh is as I began to take reading more seriously and reading self-help book, uh, self-help books and uh things that just overall improve uh my thought process uh and just ability to understand business, uh, I just it, it's crazy what's actually in books, right? Like you you hear that all the time, but it's like once you actually start reading, it like it just it just it blows your mind. So for example, a book that uh, I from like the first page, I was just like amazed at how great it was. Was um, uh, the uh, atomic habits, right? Uh, and so
1: I have that on my desk.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, and it's it like, yet. yeah, it's you're gonna love it. And it's like just from the beginning, just the examples that it gives and how deep it really got into the idea of atomic. I'm not gonna give you too much because I want to ruin it for you, but just how everything is broken down, it. It just makes me think about like, wow, I, I should have been reading these types of books since high uh, high school or, you know, whatever. But uh, it, it was just something interesting. So what are your top three books that you would recommend somebody who uh, is an entrepreneur uh, and wants to get into real estate, uh, whether it's multifamily or whatever it is, what are some books that you would recommend for them uh, to read your top three?
1: Yeah, I could not agree with you more on that point. I try to read a book a week. Book oh. a week. You think that's hard, but you just you listen to it, right? So listen to it oh. your workout, listen to it your drive. Um, but my top book that made the most impact in my life is is uh, No Rules Rules by Reed Hastings, the founder of Netflix. That was incredible. No um,
0: rule rules.
1: No rules rule
0: rule. Okay, gotcha. What was that book about?
1: Ah, uh, it's about someone we talked about today: hiring the best people but then empowering them to do their greatest work and to reduce like, you need policies and procedures, but you, you don't want that to be a hindrance to the best people. Many companies inc- uh, create policies and procedures because they only have average people. So trying to stop them from doing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Or for the best people, you're stopping them from doing the best thing. And so mm-hmm. you need to just tone that back a little bit, give them the power, make sure you have a great team and let them run.
0: Gotcha. All right. And your second book?
1: Uh, Work Rules was really good. That gave me a better sense of culture. That was by um, the head of HR of Google. That was Uh really interesting. Gotcha. Um, And
0: what was that about?
1: That is about creating an incredible work culture. Uh And it's so critical to get it right. You get the people and the culture right. You can Uh fail a lot else and uh, you'll still function well as a business.
0: Gotcha. And for the
1: last one, um, I'll say multipliers. And that's been really insightful. It's been one of the the newer books I've read. But it's about how us as managers, if we can be great at what we do, we can actually multiply the capabilities of others because we're inspiring them. We're unleashing their potential. We're aligning what their core genius is to the job that they are doing. And you can get double the productivity out of people by being a great leader. On the flip side, you have diminishers. The same way, you can be rude and difficult and challenging and you lose the best energy out of people. Maybe you have their hands, you don't have their heart. But the interesting insight is that there are a middle ground. People that are intending to be multipliers but are actually becoming accidental Administers. The book's about how to understand that, how to identify that, how to move you out of that accident of the and more into a multiplier mode.
0: Gotcha. I love it. I love it. All right. And uh, for this segment, it is the lightning round. All right. Ah. So with the lightning ground, uh, ask uh, three questions uh, and you know answer them to the best of your ability. And uh, don't be afraid to go deep on answering these questions. So first question, all right, if you could only build uh, apartments in one city for the next five years, what would it be uh, and where and why?
1: Probably where we're headed next, which is Dallas. Uh, it's a very large city, good demographics, and gives us a lot of room for growth.
0: Gotcha. All right, cool. And well, you've already answered this earlier, uh, new construction versus uh renovation of apartments
1: yeah new construction all the way for us right now
0: gotcha and that's mainly because of the the structure of efficiencies that you guys already have in place
1: exactly because if you're Mm -hmm. renovating it's a different style of work you have to think about things differently Mm -hmm. right now we're focused on building the system that builds apartments so you know elon Musk talks about how it's hard to produce a car but it is 10 to 100 to a thousand times harder to produce the system That builds the car, and that's what we're working to do. Is we're looking to build that system.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Love it. And the last question. All right, Uh, was there a market that far exceeded your expectations when it came to uh, building apartments? Uh, And uh, you know, of course, we're saying things like Dallas, you know, uh, Minnesota, these different places. But was it like a, a pocket? to where you did your research and you started to build and it just kind of blew you away as to how well it actually performed.
1: You know, um, four or five years ago, at least in the twin cities here in Minnesota, there was a big focus on the urban core, a lot mm-hmm. of development down there. The The numbers looked good. You got great rents for what you're building. The Uh, we were building in the suburban market at that time and still are today actually. And then that shift started to happen where the urban core was not as good and that moved out to the suburban market. And so for us, uh, I wish I could have said I was a genius in figuring that out, but I wasn't, it was more of an accident, but we really caught that wave when that energy came out to the suburban market.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Interesting. All right. And have you experienced that uh, since then uh, to where there were like uh, surprises that came about from decisions that were put in place?
1: Oh, all the time. Um, everything from the fact of bringing plumbing in houses we talked about, uh-huh. uh, that was a new kind of thing for us. And it was uh, born out of necessity, but then it came out to be a real benefit um we got into precast concrete and steel wall panel manufacturing in the past year and that was just a crazy idea that somebody had and now all of a sudden like one thing led to another and now we're doing it granted very painful to get there but but we're doing it
0: you said precast what was that
1: precast concrete the beams columns posts gotcha gotcha. building the foundation of the building
0: gotcha gotcha good deal All right. Well, Hey, Mike, thank you so much for, for doing this podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, now if people want to follow you, uh, if you have any, uh, type of newsletter or website that people can go on, where can they follow you to get more information about what you're doing?
1: Yeah. You can visit us by visiting our website, norhart.com that's N O R H A R T.com. com. And at that site, you can learn more about our invest platform where you have an opportunity to invest in what we're doing. And then the second thing that's kind of fun right now is we're just about to launch, and probably by the time you hear this, have launched a new podcast called Zero to Unicorn. It's about the journey of small businesses growing to billion-dollar enterprises and really asking the question of what was that journey honestly and authentically like for those involved?
0: Gotcha. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. And we greatly appreciate you.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. All
0: right. No doubt. Thank you for listening to the Your First Steps podcast. Let us know what you thought about this episode by leaving a review. And don't forget to subscribe.